The tomb is empty. He is risen. Something to shout about, something to get excited over. You know, you think about words, and throughout history, words have a way of inspiring hope, comforting the grieving, motivating others to reach new heights. You may recall words from presidents, addresses, preemblem from the Declaration of Independence, Martin Luther King, FDR. And yet, all the words ever spoken, none have echoed through the ages and have changed the course of history as the words spoken by an angel who sat by an empty tomb, He is not here. He is risen. And He means everything to us. And that's why He changes everything. You know, if you're visiting here with us, we're so grateful to have friends, to have family here, worshiping an amazing God this afternoon. And what Jesus did and accomplished for our lives, we get to celebrate this. We have the freedom now to celebrate this. This event, every single day of our lives. It's a reality that we can live in. It's the mother of all miracles. The single most important event has happened of all time. Jesus resurrecting from the dead and leaving the tomb empty. Follow along with me, if you will, in John chapter 20. You can... You can ask the person next to you to share their Bibles with you. You can turn on your phones and access your Bibles. But we're going to be reading John 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put Him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked in the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put Him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking it was the gardener. She said, sir, if you've carried him away, 
tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, and to my God, your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news that I have seen the Lord. And she told them that He had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After He said this, He showed them His hands and sighed, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You know, the resurrection brings joy. The disciples were hiding in fear. Jesus shows up and says, Peace be with you. And He shows them the proof. He shows them the pierced hands, the pierced side. And their mourning is now turned into shouts of joy because He is alive. They are overjoyed. And, and imagine the joy and the excitement they must have felt. They're running and dancing with joy because He is alive. Yeah. And just a few days ago, they were so defeated, so devastated. They were filled with fear and shame. Shame because they had left Him. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers came to arrest Him, they ran away. Peter and John followed for, for a while. John stood at the cross, but the women, they were there. The apostles, most of them, afraid. And imagine how they felt seeing Him again. Talking to Him again. And what does Jesus have to tell them? Well, first, peace be with you. You know, whenever the resurrected Jesus or angels throughout Scripture appear, it seems like words and phrases like, do not be afraid, or peace be with you, occur. And you know, I get it. When you and I read this, we're excited. Because we know that Jesus here, He, he appears. And so when Jesus you know, reappears and angels reappear to them to deliver the best news, we, we understand that. We get that. But to be honest, when you think about it, I wouldn't want any of my dead friends or family members coming to pay me a visit. If I can just be honest. Right? That's like, you know, and especially ones who have a sense of humor. You know, someone who uh, maybe likes to play pranks on you. I mean, could you imagine? It's like a loved one telling you, hey, you know what, uh, you know, one of these days, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass away. But you know what? Man, I'll be right back. Man, I'm going to be looking over you. I got your back. And you're like, okay, okay, dear family member, I love you. And, uh, and I would want you back. I, I would. But do us a favor. Don't come back. Why? Because you're not supposed to be back. And if you come back, 
then, then that's just a little awkward. You know what I'm saying? That's just not supposed to happen. It's like, you know, hey, you know, all of a sudden someone shows up. Surprise, Will. April Fool's. No, what? No, no April Fool's. You're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to reappear. That would play with my mind a bit. But secondly, once it registered that it was Jesus, imagine the shame. Imagine the guilt that must have overcame them because they knew how they had let Him down. The mistakes they made, the fear they gave into, the the feeling of falling short, the, the feeling of, I have failed Him. You know, 20 years ago, as a 15-year-old, I was searching for answers. At that time, I was wasting away my life in deceit, drugs, partying, impurity. I think of just the lifestyle of self-centeredness, living for the moment. I think of the responsibility I took of introducing so many young people at that time to drugs for the first time and what that led them towards. I think of the girls and the things, the impure things we did that I cannot do, undo and the responsibility I take for that. On my way to making many more critical mistakes. But you know, God gave me the opportunity to know Him. And His message through the Christians at my school who were living out their faith. And you know, maybe you can relate. You've made bad choices in your life. Maybe you have some regret because of the bad choices you've made in your life. You know, and I'm so grateful that God loves to forgive people who've made mistakes. I'm grateful that God loves to give people who've made mistakes a second chance of life. Peace be with you. God will want you to hear those same words here today. Their shame became joy. Their regret a brand new beginning. That's worth shouting about. That's worth getting excited about and running over about. The joy this brings to a person's life. That's why it's important for us to remember. That's why it's important for us to reflect and take this time to remember a work of God that can only be done through Him, that only He can do. What comes close to that? The the only thing I could think of is when, when Addie and I first became parents. And you know, long before it became real to me that I was becoming a father, it had been real to Addie. There were changes going on in her body. It was real. It was, it was noticeable. It was, it was obvious. But at one of the doctor visits that I uh, went to with her, it became absolutely so real. They put that medical device on her belly, and for the first time, I could hear my baby's heartbeat. 
And you know, a baby's heartbeat at the time, you know, it's normal for it to go be really fast. Not so normal for an adult, but I felt like my heartbeat was beating just as fast. Because at that moment, I realized this inexpressible joy in my heart that that was he's of me. That's right. And I'm not responsible to help that heartbeat keep beating. That's right. And then it happened a second time. Yeah. I thought I was a little bit more prepared for the second time, but no, you just you just can't prepare for those things. But that's the joy. That's the joy the resurrection brings. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that this is all for real. His promises are real. His forgiveness is real. The resurrection changes lives. This was a life-changing event. And you know what? It should be a life-changing event in our hearts as well. The resurrection is the most central and crucial event in all Christianity. It sets Jesus apart from all other religious leaders. He made claims to be sinless, to be God in the flesh, that I am the resurrection, the life, the way, the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. Bold, audacious. He's the only one who resurrected from the dead like He said He would. But do you believe that? Believing that makes all the difference. It made the difference in the lives of the disciples who, who were weak, faithless, and defeated. Before they were arguing, who's the greatest? Before they were, they were vowing that I will not die, I mean that, that, that you will not die, and that, you know, I, that that won't happen, that I will die with you, I won't leave you. But when the time came, they all turned away. Peter denied even knowing him. The disciples gave up three years of their life to God's kingdom and to Jesus, but now they were wondering what they were going to do next. Before seeing their resurrected Lord, they were in mourning. They were confused. They were lost. But then the resurrection, the resurrection then changed their lives. The resurrection then turned their world Upside down. Acts 2, verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. This is now Peter preaching the message. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through Him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you with the help of wicked men. Put Him to death by nailing Him to the cross. But God raised Him from the dead, freeing Him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on Him. Verse 31, Seeing what was to come, He spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that He was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did His body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. The difference here is amazing. This is the Peter who had been afraid of the girl who was at the door during the trial and had sworn and cursed 
and denied Jesus. And now, now He's standing in front of a crowd of thousands saying, you guys crucified Him. The guts He had all of a sudden. The resurrection had a huge impact in His life. We then see in Acts chapter 4, He stands before the Sanhedrin, a group of people He once ran from. And now in verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you have crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And in verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. Was the change? Was the difference not obvious? It serves as a powerful proof of the resurrection, an epicenter of belief, unreliable, afraid to fearless evangelists, men who once deserted him to now willing to be martyred for him. The resurrection changed their lives. It changes our lives today. And we've seen their before and after picture. And how does the before and after picture look in your life? Has it made an impact in your life that He's alive? What, the fact that He's risen, what difference does that make in your life? He absolutely made these disciples who were fearful and cowardice. And faithless, He made them faithful. He gave them courage. He gave them power. He gave them hope. What would do that? What would do that for you? What would do that? What would make you bold? What would make you courageous and zealous and full of hope if your Messiah was dead? If your Messiah was powerless? They saw their hero return. Death could not keep Jesus, down. He broke the barrier. He completely shattered it. Jesus did what He had promised to do. And seeing that changed people's lives. You know, I remember coming into contact with God's Word. And I remember reading this and trying to figure this out, trying to understand how this relates to me and my life. But then I saw the church. I saw this fellowship. And I saw what I was reading be lived out in people's lives. Not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays, or when they felt like it, but every day of their lives. And it made all the difference in my life. And if you'll just, if you'll just open up these pages, if you'll just read these words then you'll get to know this story. 
and even look around because there's, there's many strong examples in this fellowship here that have seen it. And it's made a profound difference in their lives as well. That's right. And the resurrection demonstrates God's power. The most powerful event of all time. The resurrection changed not just their lives, but thousands and thousands of men's and women's lives, including the Apostle Paul. He saw the risen Lord and He was never the same. Ephesians 1 verse 18, I pray that the eyes of the Lord may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. The riches of His glorious inheritance and His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms. We who believe, what do we have? We're talking about a power here. A power that's unlike any other power source we can come into contact Right. Not, not solar power. Not, not nuclear power here. Not even turtle power, okay? We're, we're not even talking about those things. We're talking about an incomparably uh, different, an incomparable different power yeah. that only comes from God. Yeah. It's like the strength He exerted when He exerted Christ from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the heavenly realm. What is He saying? In the same way that God worked that day in the tomb, God also works today in our lives. That power is at work in our lives. And that power makes the difference. Because what happened then is what happens in our lives. Because Christ now lives within us. Big stones can be rolled away. What is dead can be made alive. Hurts can be healed. Guilt can be forgiven. This is the message. The message of the resurrection. That's right. You know, and I... Thinking about trying to become a true follower, this was all too good to be true again. And I looked at the Word, I looked at the church, and I saw people, I just go, this is, this is too good to be true. There's no way that, the, that this is really happening. They're just really nice people. I, you know, I'm kind of checking my wallet every time they wanted to hug me, be nice. You know, they're singing songs and there's people next to me I know shouldn't be singing, but they're singing with all their might. And somehow it sounded good, you know, but all together anyway. I'm just, there's just no way. This is, this is all no, this, this is too good to be true, to be real. You know, and, and for me to become one, uh, a disciple, for me to become a follower of Jesus, that's like, you know, I grew up playing basketball. And, and I love basketball. And, and, and you think about what, what, what an average basketball player, a dream of a, of a basketball player is, is to one day, no matter how tall you are, to be able to dunk the ball <laughs> on a regulation court, okay? You know, that's a big difference, right? You know, you can lower it down and you feel like, ah, oh, you know, you're like Vince Carter in this prime, you know, you can just do all these kinds of dunks. And I just felt like, man, that's just not going to happen. I, I know me, my limitations, and I know I just, me becoming a Christian, I, wow, I, I'm glad you believe in me, but right now, I just, I, I don't see how that's going 
to happen. But you know what made all the difference? I was thinking it depended on me. I was thinking that somehow I was going to change myself. I was going to change my situation. I was going to flip things upside down and for the better. What I understood was, no, Jesus does that. That's right. If I surrender, I, can, I, I, I submit myself to Jesus. I humbly approach His throne. He does that. And He does that from the inside out. And He does that in a long-lasting way. If we're connected to the source, that, that never fades. That doesn't get weakened in time. He never changes. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But see, on our own accord, there's only so much we can do. There's only so much we'll start you know, being a loving person. There's only so much we'll start being outward focused. There's only so much we can be good husbands and good parents. There's only so much we can do until we start realizing, man, I need help. I can't do this. I can't do this alone. And just as Jesus resurrected, He too has resurrected people spiritually. And He wants to work powerfully in our lives. And that power comes and continues to be at, his, at work in our lives through the resurrection. Just as He allowed these disciples to have a boldness and a freedom and a power that they've never experienced before, I believe God wants to do the same for our lives today. This Easter day. He wants to do the same for you. He wants to give you power. He wants to give you boldness. He wants to give you uh, courage. He wants to make you a faithful man. He wants to make you a faithful woman. Someone who will stand for God. Not someone who's just a religious person. Who follows his or her emotions, traditions, or what feels right at the moment. But someone who's excited and zealous to live out the Bible for what Jesus has come to do. You know, despite the disciples blowing in, despite them not being reliable, making mistakes, regardless of those things, God's like, I still have a plan for you. I still have a plan to use you. And this message will be spread all around the world through the 11 disciples and all the future disciples and all those who would continue to be affected and changed. This is the message. They now have a reason to live. That's what Jesus does. He gives us a new reason to live. And if you have a beating heart here this afternoon, God would want you to know you have a new reason. To live on this Resurrection Sunday. You know, one of our teachers, a dear brother, a few weeks ago, informed the church of a profound mystery. He said, guys, we're all going to die. And that kind of left us shook a little bit, right? It made, us, it made us feel a little uneasy. Because we don't like to talk about death. And rightly so. But you know, there's some children that actually did want to talk about it. And they were asked questions about death, and, and these are their responses about it. Samantha, age six. 
When you die, they put you in a box. They bury you because you don't look too good. <laughs> Ryan, age 8. When you die, man, you don't have to do homework in heaven. Unless your teacher's there also. Mackenzie, age 7. A good doctor can help you so you won't die. A bad doctor, man, sends you to heaven. Yes, every man, every woman dies. But not every man, not every woman truly lives. Hebrews 2, verse 14, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could He die. And only by dying could He break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could He set all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. John 6, verse 40, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. You know, the Bible teaches we no longer have to fear death. Fearing death. You know, I wasn't there and I'm not sure what that was like. But I don't think our brother Scott and his wife are fearing death. They are. He is. He is where we all want to be. And you think about that and it starts to settle in a little bit. But take heart. Jesus just said, Hey, I came to destroy death. I came to destroy the one who holds it. It doesn't end there. That's right. That's right. It begins. That's right. And so while you are still physically alive, live. But live for God. That's right. Truly live. We are living in a bus stop. You know, each bus stop, it looks different from the next, you know. But we all, we all have our own bus stops. This is not my home. And that's so important that we don't get cemented to your bus stop. That you don't get so enamored to the possessions that God has allowed you to have. That you don't get too excited about your career. You don't get too excited about your bank account or your health or your house or your clothes. That you don't get too excited about those things and start worshiping them as God. Because those things can't save you. Only Jesus can save you and can save me. So what I want to leave you with, well, I want to leave you with the opportunity to respond, to take the time to respond. And I know we all here, sitting as we reflect, can respond in many, many various ways. You can, you can ignore it. You absolutely have every freedom 
to ignore what you have just heard. You can go about your ways and go back to your life and the way that you had been living your life, but this message does not change. And you can ignore it, or you can believe. You can believe. You can, you can let a seed, as small as a mustard seed, just germinate in your heart and say, Man, I, I want to believe. There are things I'm, I, I need to understand. There are questions I have. But you believe and you're willing to allow God's Word to come into your hearts. You're willing to seek His words out. And if you're willing to open up this book, if you're willing to ask a friend, someone that loves you, believes in you, and wants to speak the truth and love to you, it could just possibly change your life. There's some here who need to believe again. You've wandered. You know you've wandered for far too long. You know you know you, you first had that joy. You experienced the joy. You had it. And the worries and the doubts and the riches of this world have, have choked it out in your life. God would want you to believe again. To take hold of this message again. And for some, we just need to never forget. Never forget why we're here. Never forget what makes this possible. Man, a, another church service, another, another contribution, another midweek service, another tea time, another opportunity to be with the body. Never forget why you do what you do. Because if He didn't raise, if He didn't rise... We'd be wasting our time. This is pointless. We just bag it up, go home, go on with your own lives, do your own thing. But because we know He did, we're here. And so never forget. We're going to close out with a prayer. Before we do, I'd like to dismiss the parents of those in children's ministry to go pick up your children so that those who are serving in children's ministry could also take part of the Easter egg hunt that will be happening in about 10 to 12 minutes here after we close out with a prayer. So parents, please be making your way to uh, children's ministry. Meet us outside. But for the rest of us here, let's go ahead and... uh, Let's close out in a word of prayer. Our Father in Heaven, thank You so much that we absolutely get to have a personal relationship with You because of what Your Son did on the cross, what You allowed Him to do, what You did by not serving justice by You, rather wanting to forgive. And denying justice being done, you offered forgiveness instead. And we're so grateful you did. And Father, we're grateful that Jesus did die because without the cross, there wouldn't be a resurrection. And Father, without the cross, we would 
We would live a crossless Christianity. But we know that Jesus stood up against that. When Satan tempted him to have all the kingdoms of the world, he knew that through the cross, he would be given all authority in heaven on earth. And so he went to the cross. When Peter wanted him to to not die, he rebuked him and said, Get behind me, Satan. It must happen this way. When Caiaphas was telling him, If you're the Son of God, you can come down from there. Save yourself. Jesus knew He could, but He knew He needed to die on the cross because that's the manner in which we would now have the Christianity we have now. So that we too now could resurrect as Your Son Jesus did and carry our crosses daily and follow Him. We would not water down the standard. We would not look and cheapen His grace. We would not look to what's easy and comfortable or popular. But we would look to the One who died and rose again. And whatever He says to do, we would follow. Because He's worthy of imitation. Because He's the only One that can forgive. He's the only name in which all man can be saved. Thank you for allowing these words to be heard, to be spoken here today, to impact all of our hearts in one way or another, but that we could walk away meditating, contemplating what this is all about through the fellowship and the love of the disciples, the Christians who have been impacted by that since that very first day. We love you. We thank you. And in your Son's name we pray. Amen.